Hello and welcome to Tammy Ginders. And for the first part of today's programme, we're going to look back at the Hop Tune special where we spent the night at Milne Town. We're going to listen to some of the recordings that we got when we left a recorder in one of the top rooms and speak to Charles Gard, who is obviously very familiar with Milne Town, and see, is it really haunted? And yeah, I have to say it was a really entertaining night at the end of the day. It was something uh, I was written about in Manx Life saying... I've always fancied the idea of staying in a haunted house and it's not the easiest thing to do because you have to find a haunted house, you have to have permission to go there, uh, yeah, someone to hold your hand, all the rest of it because it's it, you just don't know what to expect. I don't. I didn't know what to expect, I don't think any of us did, but Milntown has the reputation, rightly or wrongly, for being the most haunted house on the island. And Charles Gard is chair of the Board of Trustees for the Milntown Estate and Charles is with us now. How convinced are you, Charles, that Milltown is really haunted? I'm totally convinced, uh, and I have to compliment you all on spending the night there. People say to me, have I ever done it? There's no way I would spend the night there alone. I know there were a number of you, but um, I I think you were were very brave. There's nothing to fear except fear itself, they say, and um, I do often think when I go up to the top of the house all alone, am I going to see or hear something? Uh, we all have seen things and heard things. So, so you've seen, I seen have, apparitions? There. I have. Not apparitions. It's one of these things where out of the corner of your eye um, you see something and your mind immediately gives you a rational explanation. Somebody walking past all the windows. And then a second later you think, actually, how could that be? There isn't anybody there. And you go and check it and it's gone. Uh, and you can't bring it back and you can't explain it. More worryingly are the sounds, and all the staff who work there permanently have had experiences of footsteps. They've actually seen the carpet being depressed uh, as though something was coming towards them, and uh, one of the staff left the building immediately as a result. Um, Our gardener, Adam, who, as you you know, is a really solid sort of down-to-earth guy, he said to me one day, he said, I was in here working last night till 9 o'clock, and um, he said, my God, it's a noisy house, isn't it? All those footsteps running around. Quite matter-of-fact, you know. And I'm thinking... I would have left. Well, we're going to hear some of the noises that were recorded um, when we left a recorder on its own in one of the top rooms. But uh, Chris Pearson is also with us, and you spent the night with us. And Chris, you now have the accolade, we believe, of being one of the most bravest people (laughs) in the world ever. Or slightly mad. (laughs) Because you slept in possibly one of the most haunted rooms. Which, to be honest, I didn't know at the time because I'd missed that bit of the tour when we arrived. Um, I, I may not have been as brave had I known that. But, yeah, no, no, I did stay. In, which room was it I stayed in, Charles? It, it, it was the green bedroom above the library, yes. So I stayed there. And all I know is it was very cold during the night. And I assumed uh, that the whole house was cold and that the heating had gone off. And, and therefore, and it was only in the morning when I got up and opened the door and realised the rest of the house was actually really warm. It's like, it like a greenhouse. And I, just, I went back in and you guys came up. And it was actually Adam then told us afterwards that at some point, Uh, A scientific team had put thermometers into every room in the house and the temperatures in all of the rooms were within a degree or so exactly the same, but that room always feels colder, apparently. I can vouch that. And the heating was on in there. It Mm. was. The radiators were on, which was was, uh, quite unusual. Okay, so we're going to hear some of the noises now. I think it's it's fair to say, before we downloaded um, what was recorded on this recorder, Chris, I think it's fair to say it would have been very inconclusive as to whether we felt 
we'd experienced anything. Yeah, because as, as you were saying a moment ago, it's, you know, it's, it's in mind and, and the, the, the heating will creak and rattle. It's an old house and floorboards will move. But I think this this point, so, so just to give you some uh, indication, this was on the third floor. I left a, uh, a digital recorder in there, uh, set it up, called the timer, as I set it up, which was about 10 past one, something like that. You guys then finished and went to bed was it about two o'clock something yeah, like yeah, that there, i'd yeah. gone to bed just uh, just uh, just after i set the recorder up uh, upstairs you were downstairs um so so whatever happened this this recording because i could work out having called the time this is starting at 10 past one i know this these noises started quite sort of seriously around about three five past three in the morning which ties in with something charles has said in the past that three o'clock seems to be when stuff goes on there isn't it well, I've never been there, so I, I, I couldn't <laughs> But with the, the mattress in the room and stuff, you, that was... Oh, yes, well, that room, uh, there was a lady thrown out of her bed in many, many years ago, apparently, at about three o'clock in the morning. She wasn't frightened, she was more annoyed. And it, <laughs> and it wasn't Sir Clive up there pushing her out of the bed either. <laughs> OK, well, let's uh, hear some of the noises then, Howard. OK, so this was one of the recordings, you say, left the, the recorder left upstairs in the small bedroom. Uh, it is an old house. Now, this one, have a listen... It's something dropping. Uh, it could be something uh, falling off. I don't know. Have a listen. Here it comes. Now then, make of that what you will. It sounds like it's something dropping down. It could be, again, and you have to be realistic about this and say, OK, what could that be? Now, that room is sort of under renovation. I think there's work due to take place there at one stage or other. Some of the old plaster is coming off the walls. Now, that definitely could be a chunk of plaster dropping off somewhere. Well, it could be, yeah. and um, I haven't had time to go up and have a look, but I am going to check whether a piece of plaster has fallen off, though my uh, remem remembrance of that room is all the plaster has already come off, <laughs> which is why left. we're going to um, to have a look at it. But there's two clicks before that which don't sound like the heating pipes. I don't know what they are. Um, and that is unedited, that because that's why there's a little gap in yeah. between. So you get click, a second click, and then there is the thump. So yeah, very special. And that is a room that people do hear footsteps going along, and um, it's definitely spooky. It is. It is. Let's just hear that again, Beth. Yes. That makes you jump, Beth, it every does. time it goes on. Every single time. <laughs> yeah, and, and it is true as well, that, and that from our own point of view, we were wandering around, not knowing quite what to expect, in small groups, I think, mostly because, you know, I was scared. Apart from Chris, who's Mr Apart Brave. Chris, who was, oh, I'm off, I'm off, I'm off to the spooky room. room for a while. Bye. Facebook um, Live. But, yeah, the bottom line is we didn't, we were maybe a little bit apprehensive that nothing was going to happen because we wandered around, uh, we went to, we sat in the library, we sat upstairs, we sat in the bedroom, we sat in the drawing room, we ran up by the corridor where the depressions in the carpet had been seen, uh, there was the chair which had been haunted. I went out, I did, I was brave enough to go on my own a couple of times and just sort of go up the stairs and just in the dark, see if there any orbs, lights, any sort of movement sounds. Nothing, absolutely nothing anyone really reported until 2, 2.30 and then people thought, well, you know what, let's go and get some kip and see what happens. And then things seem to happen in those way after the midnight hour. Yeah. Nothing before to report on. I think it's a pattern that if you're looking for it and expecting it, nothing mm. happens. It's catching you unawares. That's my experience. So you're thinking about something else. You're, you're rushing in to lock up or, you know, you're talking to someone and then suddenly something happens. We've got some more noises, which I can't wait to hear. Um, <laughs> what's this one, then? OK, so this is a longer clip, and I think on here there's either maybe some uh, footsteps or voices. It's, it's not the same sort of sound. It's a longer clip. It's over 30 seconds, this one, but you can definitely hear some 
maybe voices, maybe movement or thumps, or it could it's, be... It's, it does sound like voices in the distance. Mm. This was the same recorder, third floor, that same bedroom, but it just sounds as if there is voices, noises. We'd all long gone to sleep by the time right. this was... Here we go. You both jumped again. <laughs> I hadn't heard that at a slam before. Yeah, so definitely so some more footsteps. Definitely footsteps there. Now it wasn't Chris, uh, and we're as certain as we can be, it wasn't us because we didn't split up. No one wandering around on their own. It's funny. It sounds quite muffled, though, doesn't it? So it's de- that's not in that room. No, it's not no. in that room. I think it's on the the floor below. Which which so that will be the second floor. The the first floor upstairs, Charles. What whose whose rooms are there? Where I was sleeping. There's but... nothing below that. It's the hall. Directly below that, yeah. yeah. But the other yeah. rooms on that floor. Oh, the other rooms. Um, well, sorry. What time? What time do you think that was, was about? That the same quarter recorder? past three. Yeah. Was it? Yeah. yeah. Well, that is genuinely extraordinary mm. to have captured that. I mean, that's thumping. It is, isn't I, it? I mean, we've got headphones on here in the studio. I don't know if people listening at home could hear the voices, but there's definitely the sound of female voices. Female I voice, say. Yeah. Uh, Just a snatch of someone talking to each other, like, have you taken the laundry? And you, uh, Just something outside, but there was nobody there because you were We were asleep. asleep at that you were on the You were on the ground floor yeah. in one room asleep. I was on the first floor up. But very much asleep by yeah. then. Yeah. Um, wasn't awake at all. I didn't leave the room all night. It's very strange. Let's just hear those voices again. I don't because think I it, want it, to. It's, um, <laughs> it wasn't really us. weird. And the door as well. I mean, I didn't There's slam no way that any doors. Been us, no. If I went through a door, I either just left it open or yeah. just Well, all the doors it. are open, actually. Yeah, yeah. and, yeah. and it's, that is definitely a door slam to my ears. And How does a ghost make a door slam, though? Well, let's have a listen. <laughs> Sounds like footsteps, banging. It's... We wouldn't have been talking that loudly anyway, would we? Not quarter past three in the morning. No, I mean, you're two floors below. And then coming up here now, this sounds like a door. Yeah. Yes, uh, the interesting thing is we left all the doors open. You did, didn't you? Yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah. All the, the doors upstairs. The only are... door I shot was the one on the room I was sleeping in. I pulled yeah. that door too, but apart from that, and everything was left as it was. If you slammed that door, you wouldn't have heard that no. uh, way up there on the other side of the And house. I'd been in bed and asleep for about yeah. two hours by that point. So. Well, this is uh, <laughs> a psychic phenomena, uh, but that is amazing. It is, isn't it? And uh, as I said, in many ways, the evening posed more questions than answered, I think, uh, after uh, a start where we all were thinking, you know what... The, there's nothing to there's nothing to be heard or seen here. It's just got a reputation, and maybe people hear things and bumps in the night. And by the end, I think all of us who stayed there thought there were certainly things we couldn't fully explain. Um, you, you know, maybe and certainly maybe that was a bit of pasta. The other ones, though, those mm. particularly that second recording, mm. I'm thinking that wasn't me. That was not my voice. I know it wasn't. I was downstairs. Uh, I wasn't making loud noises like that. The only thing I shouted out ever was a bit later on when I was shouting for Chris, and it was just Chris. Are you there? Um, and that was I actually, didn't slam, slam was, any doors. Yeah, that was before those that recordings were taken. So yeah. we know yeah, exactly. Th- that's yeah. when we mm. went off to bed. Oh, good. Oh, then. 
great. Fantastic. So uh, when are uh, we going back? Whatever it is, uh, no, no, we, we, we're planning that as well, but whatever it is, I don't think it's at all malevolent. I think whatever it is, is going about its business completely unaware that it mm. doesn't have to do it anymore. It's, it's almost like well, the yes. female voice, like maybe um, chambermaids, whatever, getting up and doing the things they would have been doing at that time of day to get ready for a day, a busy day in a, in a, in a country house. Mm. So I, don't, I, I didn't feel anything at all malevolent. I just think it's stuff's there. That's a, that's a comment everybody says, and I can confirm that. The house does not feel frightening. No. Um, you may get a little coolness in temperature but the general atmosphere is very very warm and friendly i've i've never been can i just suggest one thing that you hide your halloween stuff because that did when i was looking through the night vision glasses and <laughs> yes. walked into one of the spare rooms while i was doing a facebook live and was confronted with a skeleton and, and a, a scythe and everything and it turned out to be your halloween stuff for a moment just for a moment did it move uh, no, no oh, that's all right. i did though <laughs> <laughs> well there you are then beth yes is it haunted or is it a case of um i wonder Well, I'm now talking to Terry Kringle because, Terry, you left a cryptic little message on my desk a couple of weeks ago which basically said, where is the shark's tooth? That's right, I did. And do you know? Well, there were lots of humorous guesses, as you might expect. For example, it's in the shark's mouth. Um, I googled it and looked it up on the computer. I couldn't find anything. Is it a particular landmark that we should know about? Right, well, I'll come clean. It's on the beach at Port Jack. And if you look at the shore there, sticking up, it's a, a, a stony shore, is this great big rock. And it goes right up. And when the tide is in, you can climb to the top of this rock, or we did when I was a little boy, and dive in to where the water was still very deep. And it's, we called it... And I don't know whether we called it, or it was a name that was already given to it and passed on to us. It was known to us as the shark's tooth. And uh, I got to know it because I was born on the promenade in a boarding house in Douglas. And uh, the great adventure playground for me, which was free of charge, was the whole of Douglas Foreshore. And myself and all the other lads and girls, we used to range all up and down the shore. And we used to go as far north at, to Port Jack. Part of the way we walked there, we had to walk on the sewer, the sewer that had its uh, go, used to go out somewhere near uh, a bit further on. Uh, not the sewer itself, the pipe. It was the one covered over with uh, concrete, and uh, that was a place where I used to take my children and my grandchildren. And I used to say, "What we're walking on here is the poo pipe," and I told them that all the poo that came out of the, this part of Douglas and went out to sea went along there and of course you know small children you know you've got some small children yeah fascinated yeah. with the stuff they're absolutely fascinated with their natural functions and yep that's uh, how i came to know the shark's tooth and you have to be i don't know it's probably not known to that with a lot of people these days you have to be an old man and i as you know i'm an old man oh it's fascinating though i have to go and see if if it's still there, if it's visible, if it's something you can get down to now. But just listening to the way you talked about how you and your friends used to play out there, it's it was just a different time, wasn't it? That idea that you'd go out to play in the morning, you'd come home maybe for your lunch or dinner, depending on what you called it, and you'd just be gone for hours, wouldn't you? That's right. You never you just went away and your parents didn't even say goodbye. You'd say, go down the shore and play. 
and off I'd go, and all the other kids, and uh, round about dinner time, we came back, driven by the hunger, and then we set off again in the afternoon until it was tea time. As a matter of fact, I became famous as the little boy who fell off the poo pipe. Really? Yeah, when the tide was in, the water used to get on the, the landward side of it, and I was a very small boy, you know, about four years old, and I was there, and I was looking over because I'd see a crab down on the shore, on the, on, the, on the stones down there. And I was leaning forward, and I just went plunk right in. And as I remember, a man, a visitor, jumped in and in his trousers and got me out safely. And by this time, my, my, one of my cousins, he'd done a runner because he thought I was dead. So this man, it had to say, found out where I lived, found it was Studley House, you know, a short walk along the promenade. And uh, he took me back there and gave me back to my mother, who nearly had a fit. Oh, my <laughs> gosh, I can imagine. Yeah. So that's it, the shark's tooth. No, it must be still there. You know, you'd have to blow it up to, to remove it, and then you'd just leave a, a mess. No, I would say it's still there. And you can get down there, as long as you're not as old as me. Terry, thank you very much. It's been my pleasure. Well, we've reached the part of Tammy Gindis where we do the fabulous challenge. And once again, we are in the Manx Radio Kitchen. It is a favourite spot. And Howard, you're brandishing something. (laughs) I'm always brandishing something, Beth. It's yours, actually. Recognise it. I do, yes. It's your hairdryer. And, um, yeah, I thought we'd do... I don't know that we've done this one before. The old um, Bernoulli's principle, if memory serves correct, which is about the flow of air. And you might have done that. You used to have little toys you could do. In fact, we might try a little toy with you in a minute. Um, but this, see if we can demonstrate it with this first. So this idea with the flow of air, or it works with the flow of water, uh, that um, it will keep a ball... In the air. So if you have a hairdryer like this, and it works, again, if you've got a jet of water, it works the same way. And you have a ping-pong ball, thus, you should be able to float the ping-pong ball on the stream of air. So you're going to just show off now, basically, are you? Hopefully. Okay. Right, well, let's uh, let's go. I'll just stand back a little bit. So we turn your little um, hairdryer on. Okay, so he's got his ping-pong ball. He's just balancing it uh, above the hairdryer. And it is... As the video on the Max Radio Facebook page will attest to, floating in the air. Well, that's excellent. Well, there you go. And, um, yes, I can't remember. Someone will tell me more about it. I remember doing this at school, actually, years ago, uh, the Bernoulli principle. And it's something to do with the fact it's airflow. So the, when you put it, the ball like this, a sphere in the air... The ball, the airflow around the outside is going faster than the flow underneath, I think, and it sort of it then sort of keeps it, pushes it from either side equally in, so it keeps it in the middle. Um, and I believe the same principle is used for um, pitot tubes, I think, on aircraft, which there was, if you ever look at an aircraft, and you'll see like a little nozzle coming out the side, bent at sort of right angles, and that goes into the airflow. And I think that tells them, it's, I can't remember if it's the airspeed or the, uh, the height, one of the two, but uh, the pitot tube on the aircraft uses the same principle as this. I remember that. Fantastic. Um, we're going to do something else then, are we? Well, yeah, yeah. Should we swap over? So I thought it would be, seeing as I'm always doing these and you seem to get off scot-free, I thought, why not do a manual one where we'll do it the other way around and we'll get you to actually 
lie down. And okay. uh, what do you think? Yeah, well, I'm game for most things. Oh, I see. Don't okay. stick it anywhere. And I'm uh, going to use this? Yeah. So what? And so you're going to use the tube. So if you lie down, put the tube in your mouth and then put the ball on top. Here we go. And then we should now blow carefully and see if you can keep it in the tube. <laughs> that was pathetic. You should practice this. Here we go. Right. Try again. <laughs> well, it's right, sort of... Yeah, right. a bit of practice needed. Here we, here we go, here we go. This will be the one. Ready? Oh, almost. The tube might be a bit big for your mouth. <laughs> it was going then. It was going until you started giggling. I didn't giggle. All right. I'm sitting here thinking, what on earth am I doing? Last attempt. Here we go. And then we... Oh, oh it was going, it was going there, wasn't it? Was getting You're getting the hang of it then. Right, I'm going to practice this. So there we go. Um, it's sort of, I think we need a, a bit of practice and a smaller tube and you'd be good with that. And there is a wonderful video that will be available on the Manx Radio Facebook page to accompany that. There are no more words. I'm going to take that uh, device home, Howard, and practice getting the ball up in the air on my own. Well, I think the problem was to a degree. I think, yeah, what I, I was looking for a smaller bit of piping and I thought there'd be something around here. Mm. And of course, you can never find a technician or an engineer around here when you want one because they're all busy climbing aerials and things. So, yeah, I brought something which was the best I could find from home. But it was, to be fair to you, a little bit sort of broad in its diameter so you couldn't get a thin enough airstream going. That a was smaller it. pipe and you'd probably find it much easier. So if I can get something smaller, smaller tubing for you and ping pong ball, yeah, and I think you'll find... Your ball will be in the air. Cannot wait. Uh, We've reached the part of the programme where we take a delve in the Manx Radio Archive. What have we got today? Well, we've actually gone, uh, we're going fairly high-tech, realistically. We often, I mean, there's various formats kicking around at the station, aren't there? There are certainly a few LPs kicking around. There's lots and lots of reel-to-reel tape, although that's not that easy these days to actually play because, of course, you need a reel-to-reel player. There's some... um, uh, mini discs and uh, cassettes we've uh, been using quite a bit, which is handy. But today we've gone high tech and we are going uh, for a CD. So let's see what happens. My mother wore a penny, yellow, green or pink. My mother wore a penny slapping dishes round the sink to clean and polish lino and shake the mats outside. My mother wore a penny round the fireside. My mother wore a penny while mashing up the spuds when baking cakes and bonnag and roly-poly puds. My mother wore a penny hanging out the wash, long-legged knickers, nothing very posh, mending holy socks, ironing on the table, knitting by the oil lamp, pearl and plain and cable. My mother wore a penny when calling us from play, how I remember Mother in her pinny every day. Island Love by Sharon Collins Someone will know someone who knows. Someone who knows him feeds you stories of his past, in detail every sin. No mystery, no secrets, nothing left to discover. And yes, you've a close friend who is his former lover. Does the intrigue of a new... They, I recognise anyone there? 
I don't, actually. It's from a CD which I pulled out, National Poetry Day 2006, Island Love, which has got a bit of Sharon Collins there, and My Mother by Winifred Rosevear. Lovely poetry there, and it's always great to have a look in the Manx Radio archive. There is just a whole heap of history in one room, and it's a, an oral history which we're really, really fortunate to have. It is, because I mean, it's the only place I think that actually exists. There must be something within Manx National Heritage as well, but there is, as you say, it's a treasure trove, and it is gradually getting sorted. I think I think our own Jude is going through sorting all that. She's out. been amazing, so uh, all of that is being categorised, and uh, as we say, it really is a national treasure as is Jude really can you call her a national treasure well I don't see why not yes I called Charles God a national treasure the other day and he didn't object did he not Uh, next week on the programme we're going to stay with a spooky theme because we've been to some wood which uh, people say is a haunted one Uh, find out what happened we are indeed stay tuned we'll be back with more mysteries as we wonder you wonder I wonder Tammy Ginders (laughs) 